This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome back to listening to our discussion with Sam Jarman. Sam played professional golf for about 10 years before transitioning to coaching and specializing in the mental side of the game. In the second part, we move to exploring the spiritual dimension of sport. What is awareness? What is meaning? And also discuss the mental health crisis in sport. You'll find links to the works we are discussing in the podcast show notes. If you didn't listen to the first part already, I recommend you to do so. And either way, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's move on to spirituality. So that was something that you brought up, and that's not a traditional topic of sports psychology, at least. And I've done some research on that, and, and my education is in theology. So I was I was interested in these these experiences when I started studying sports and and I was interested in this idea about everyday spirituality and how we can find this uh, spiritual dimension in our mundane activities, you know, cleaning our house or going for a run or uh, doing these things that happen outside of of the church or any any sacred space and, and so forth. But so we clearly share this interest in in understanding the spiritual dimension of sport and how spiritual traditions can help Definitely. us understand what is going on in sport. So perhaps you can and talk a little bit about how you approach uh, spirituality and and uh, a bit about your spiritual journey then as well. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, could you give us your if you've got a theology? qualification or a theology you know more about theology than I do um what would how would you define spirituality yeah so I think we we certainly have different ways to do that so uh some of the organized religions would still see spirituality as the personal part of religion or the experiential part of religion whereas then for example in in the existential thought, you would more often talk about spiritual dimension as something that exists in in all people, whether you are part of any right. religion or or yeah. any of that. And and that's the more this existentialist thought that I'm I'm drawn on, and and the spiritual dimension that is in all of us, whether we are aware of that or not. Yeah. Okay. So. My sort of definition would be really sort of simple. It's basically the idea that there are aspects of reality that are not physically determined, 
um, that that play a role in the in the material world. That's kind of how we, we all we all know if there is a material world. And I would question that, but let's assume that we're talking to somebody who's living in that paradigm. Most people would sort of have this feeling that there is something more to life than just physicality, than just material things. Now, whether they express that in terms of a religion or a spiritual practice of some sort, or, you know, I would say for a lot of people, sport is a spiritual experience for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and to me, this is, you know, it's a great place to start talking about this because it's, you know, it's the why do you play sport question. And, and pretty quickly, people will get, will get to some sort of expression of 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 the spirituality of of what it is they're doing and and so we've already said i've already said that you know all of the spiritual traditions and and religions have have this this same sort of basic fundamental idea at the core which is that who we really are is not a body and a mind the body and the mind Mm. are known by something they don't know anything so the the fundamental question well what what is the nature of that knowing what is the nature of that awareness if i ask somebody a question are you aware what are they going to say so if i ask you nora are you aware what are you going to say that would be the you know heidegger's first thing what distinguishes human beings from other animals that that are out here that we are aware of our existence and our existence is an issue for us yeah i I think there's well there's a couple of things isn't there there's there's we are we are aware we we if you if i say to somebody are you aware most people would eventually you know usually they ask me aware of aware of what and i'd say no yeah not not the content of your experience we're talking about the nature of your experience so are you Mm -hmm. aware most people would say yes so what that tells us is that when we're when we say the words i am we're not referring to that's what we're referring to we're we're referring to awareness we're referring to consciousness we're not referring to the body and the mind you know if i if i if i say to somebody you know again it's it's a it's a process of stripping away if i say to somebody you know do you say i am i am a body or i have a body most people would 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 say the second one they say i have a body and you know, if I said to you, well, look, are, you know, are you your body? What would you say? I think from phenomenological perspective, many scholars are very much arguing for I am a body, that there is no, you know, our experience happens through our body. And that's that's the way that we are connected to the world or we are in the world. But I would certainly agree with you that if you ask people, if you... I am my body or I have a body. We People would say that I have a body. And I think these moments when there's something wrong with your body, you will most certainly ha- say that, you know, I have a whatever injury in my ankle. So yeah. that would be body as an object. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, I, if, I, if I said, you know, if, if I had an accident, say I lost a finger or something, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't feel any less me than I did before I had the accident. You know, if I lost if I lost an arm, if it was a really bad accident, I would still refer to myself as I. I would still say mm-hmm. I am. And I, you know, 
I, my sense of self would not be diminished by the loss of part of my body. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't go into mourning when I cut my toenails or, or you know, have a haircut or whatever. It's, it's just mm-hmm. that's I, I'm not. That's not me. So in that sense, yeah. that the body is that the body is more like it, it. It comes in the same ontological category as your car or your house. It's where you live. You know, it's not you. So. Again, we're back to this idea that who we really are is is awareness, it's consciousness. And the religious word for that is God. So when we talk about the spiritual side of sport and the spiritual side of life, that's all we're pointing to. It's the most mundane, most normal, most ordinary experience is just is is being aware of being aware essentially it's knowing that who you are is the awareness of not the content of that experience it's just the awareness of it that's who you are that's who we're referring to when we say the words i am and once you get that clear in your mind and for many people that's you know that that to them is the a moment of enlightenment it's, it's a moment of realization that changes everything because you can then start to explore the nature of that. You start to you start to explore whether that awareness, who you really are, well, is that is that limited? Is it finite? Can it be hurt by any of the things that happen within that experience, or is it the same? Has awareness changed from the moment when you were five years old to the moment that you were ten years old to the moment you were twenty years old to the moment you were, you know, ninety years old? Most people mm. would, would say no. They would still feel that they'd still say the words I am. They'd still feel that they were the same person. Now, their body will have changed massively in that time. It's probably renewed itself, you know, over a lifetime. The body renews itself several times over. But the sense of I and the sense of I am remains. That remains the constant. And that's essentially what a life is. A life is just a series of experiences connected by this sense of I. That's it. But what we do, if we're not careful, is we mistake it for the physical entity of the body, and we believe that that's who we really are, or we mistake it for the story of who we think we are, which is the ego. And we believe that that is our true nature, and it's not. Neither of those things are true. Both of those things are known by something. Both of those things occur within awareness and are known by that awareness. So that's essentially what we're pointing to and when you get that clear in your mind it opens up a a a massive opportunity to to as i say to look at the world differently because if if that's true for me then it's probably going to be true for you and it's probably going to be true for the seven billion other people on this planet and if I can't find a limit to to my awareness well you probably can't find a limit to your awareness so what does that what does that tell us? It means that actually there is only one awareness, there is only one consciousness, and we are we are, we are not seven billion different individual consciousnesses. There is one consciousness, and seven billion different perspectives from that from that consciousness, and that puts you know all, all the conflict in the world and all the problems that we have in relationships and the insecurities we have about our our personal well-being and and these existential questions that puts a completely different viewpoint on those and that to me seems to be a, a much better place to end up at 
rather than constantly trying to put you know put elastoplasts and and coping strategies and and mental techniques on top of our thoughts and our feelings because you just well they just you know those those worries and those insecurities just don't make sense anymore yeah i will move us now to the context of mental health in sports so what you're talking about coping strategies and and perhaps putting plasters in wounds and and one of the texts that i i found in your website and that i enjoyed reading was when you were addressing the mental health issues in sport i keep coming back to these questions because we really have some like outrageous reports and, and, and numbers from, from elite sport in terms of how many athletes are struggling with uh, with their mental health. Indeed. And so you are uh, pointing out that we are not simply talking about the medical problem here, but we are talking about the philosophical or or spiritual problem that, that we are facing in our sport. So can you develop that a little bit yeah sure so uh, again we, we come back to what is what is mental health well it, to me it seems that, that the same we can draw a parallel with our physical health so if i've if if i'm not worried about how i'm feeling how my body's feeling then i i would consider myself to be physically healthy and if i'm not worried about how i'm how how my mind is feeling if you want to put it like that then i'm probably i could describe myself as mentally healthy so you know unfortunately what we've what we've done is we we've gone down the process of medicalizing m- mental health and 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 seen it as something that has to be fixed and whether that's with as i say coping strategies or with medication um we're just looking at it from the, the, the wrong pr- perspective. Most of the worries and fears and insecurities and anxieties that not just athletes but 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 human beings have in general are born out of a, an existential fear. It's like what what's going to happen to me? You know why why does why does the situation and the circumstances of my life make me feel like this? And as I say, that philosophical conversation asking, well, who am I? Once you start to see that who you really are is consciousness rather than a physical entity, well, all of a sudden those problems don't exist anymore because you're not worried about them. You know, you, you've, you, you, yeah, it's just, it, it just becomes a, a non, a non thing. And as I say, that's quite a, you know, I wouldn't just come out with that with somebody, especially if somebody was suffering, but that that's the that's the way to come to a lasting peace and a lasting happiness and and lasting well-being and you know it's what it's why people find find solace and comfort in in religions or or spiritual practice because they're they're moving away from this idea that that their essence who they really are is is physical and can be harmed or damaged or impaired by their situational circumstances by life and once you get out of that you're free yeah would you agree with some of the philosophers or i guess sociologists as well who would talk about the more collective existential crisis of our time that we know in in 
for example, European context, many of the religions are, you know, losing their people are no longer members of, of religions, but we also might not have like a alternative a spiritual perspective or this framework of meaning that can give like a foundation to our our lives. So maybe we are collectively a little bit lost about what Definitely. what life is about and what is a good thing to do in this life. De- definitely. And you know, I think I think the religions have have been they've they've a lot of religions have lost their way over the years. They've become they've become obsessed with the practices and the um, rituals and the um, the words of the the faith, whichever faith it is. So they've we've you know they've become obsessed with the signpost and forgotten what the signpost is pointing to. And it's yeah, it, it, it's it, it's not helped. I think again, part of it is the obsession with with science and in order to understand the religious message you have to take it metaphorically not literally and unfortunately both atheists and religious fundamentalists they're falling for the same misunderstanding they're taking the religious message or religious text literally not metaphorically and at one extreme, that means you you act on every word that's in that particular book, and you use that to justify some pretty horrendous things. And on the other hand, you dismiss it completely because it's not scientific and it it can't be proved. So it's the same misunderstanding, but you've drawn two different conclusions from it. And and in order to understand any any religion or any anything spiritual you have to you, what what we are pointing to whether you call it awareness consciousness god uh oneness you you can't describe it it can't be described literally you have to point to it metaphorically you know the moment that this is why you know the, the sages ramana maharshi and and these these ancient sort of sages would say that silence is the only way of of communicating this because the moment you open your mouth you've made a concession it's not what it is because you can't you can't describe it in words you can't describe consciousness you can only know it firsthand and you know that that's that's the thing about you know and as i say just conscious that god is just another word for consciousness um but unfortunately because of you know, I, I doubt there's an, a, a more loaded word in the English language than, than God. And, and, you know, the way I see it is, is you can't, nobody can tell you what that word means. If, if, you, if, you, if you feel resistance when somebody speaks about religion or speaks about God, it's because you've taken on somebody else's meaning for that word, which is ludicrous because nobody can prove what it means. So if, if you're having a negative reaction to that, if that word makes you feel bad, if it makes you feel angry, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, if it makes you feel upset, well, you've, you've made up or you've adopted somebody else's meaning for it and allowed a, a non-provable thing to make you feel bad. Well, that's nuts. So it's, yeah, religion is, 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 a, tr- is a tricky one, uh, you know, some people have a, a very deep faith and, and uh, you know, 
gain a, a, a massive amount of, of spiritual um, fulfillment from that. And for other other people are, are very resistant to it. Very, it makes them feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable, and it and and you know they have some very very negative thoughts and feelings about it. But it's not it's not the religion itself. It's the meaning that we've attached to the words that's causing those those feelings. Yeah, and when we opened the whole discussion about spirituality, and and you asked about how I might define that, and and <laughs> I would ask how you would define that in return, and. I mean, we are talking about something that is such an elusive concept, and I, I love the way that uh, some of the Eastern philosophies, or some would call them uh, religions like Taoism uh, uh, or or Zen Buddhism, that they put it out there that if we are trying to describe this with with the language we have, we we end up distorting things. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. The way that can be described is not the way, uh, for example, in, yeah. in, in Taoism. Yeah, exactly. So we might have some <laughs> idea about what we are talking about, but how we bring words to that always also depends on our cultural frameworks of meaning and, and the words that we have available. Absolutely. And yeah, just to add like one one thing I find quite difficult when I'm so I've done some of this research in the Finnish context where actually you don't even have like a good distinction between the words religious and spiritual okay that's interesting so that that makes it or or you have words one word is something more like mental right or psychological yeah. and the other one is more like religious and people think that if i'm talking about something like spirituality i'm i'm referring to religion and they might just close the discussion by saying that you know i don't go to the church yeah that's not like a (laughs) relevant thing so uh it's very difficult and 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 also in in the nordic countries religion is something that is a very private thing for people so you can ask them about all sorts of things, but if you ask about spirituality, you are being like invading a very private yeah. domain. But I think that's a good thing. I think that's a very good thing. You know, it is, it, it is private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it is again. Ha, it, it's a. This is the part of religion where they, you know, where they say it is a personal relationship with God. it's 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 but all that is is you know my way of saying that would be being aware of being aware Mm -hmm. it's we're pointing to exactly the same intuition one using religious language and one using secular language you know that's all that meditation is meditation is just being aware of being aware but the religious word for it would be prayer so it's the same it's like happiness it's the same feeling every human being would know that feeling but we'd all have different words for it, which is why words are, you know, words are in, in, in inherently dualistic. They're part of this subject-object relationship that we have with the world. They, mm. you know, they they can just invoke a feeling or an intuition in us, and you know that's why when we have a realization, we call it an aha moment, because there isn't a word to describe it. But we all know the feeling of truly understanding something or, you know, whether it's how to hit a particular golf shot or, um, you know, whether it's how to do a quadratic equation or, you know, how to paint a, a particularly, 
you know do a particular style of painting or photography or whatever it is it's you know that moment of ah you can't put it into words but that's just the realization of true nature it's the same whether it's you know whether it's love whether it's beauty or it's truth moment of understanding it's the same feeling it's the same intuition and that's what we're pointing to and and as i say the religious word for that would be well you know i I found god yeah i i very much appreciate that you are doing this work of of bringing more words to these experiences that for example in sport i'm many of us have this intuitive sense that something is going on in our sport experience that is not you know uh, concentration or mental toughness or optimal zone of functioning but it's hmm. probably something something beyond that but for example in sports psychology discourse and the words that we use there doesn't seem to be something that helps to capture this uh, something that is going on no because it's it's seen from sports psychology it's seen as a doing rather than a being so when you're in the zone you are experiencing your true nature so the ego has disappeared there's no sense of self there's no sense of uh, there's no i thought there it's just being in the present moment and and having that experience whereas a sports psychologist because they don't understand the nature of consciousness a lot of them they would believe that you were doing that and it's not it's just a being so that to me is all the zone is it's just the the total absence of self-consciousness it's the absence of a person it's just dropping back into into true nature and and yeah you just you just are i will let you go in a second i know that it's a beautiful morning there and you will be playing <laughs> I'm, golf i'm not in any hurry so uh yeah if you've got more questions then please i would like to bring our discussion to the two books that you have written and okay. and those are a wonderful resource for for our listeners to get to know your your philosophy and and your your thinking around around golf but so for our podcast when the theme of the podcast is meaningful sport finding meaning in your sport practices what would be some of the aspects that you would lift from your two books that might help our listeners to explore these questions about meaning a bit further <laughs> um I, <laughs> terrible uh, question i guess <laughs> no no it's a great question it's a great it's a really fair question look, look i i wrote i wrote the first book five years ago and i wrote the second book uh, about 18 months nearly two years ago so my my thinking has moved on i think both of the books are are fine in terms of what they offer and they will definitely give some insights into into how your mind works and particularly with the second one will probably start helping you with the stripping away process so it's basically a, about examining the the some of the beliefs and the the misunderstandings that we have around the game of golf and around performance um but you know i'm actually i'm writing another book at the moment i'm probably writing two two other books at the moment that are going to be more in line with with where my thinking is at now let's talk about them in a second so you can first tell what you've already done and then what is next is the follow up question for that 
yeah uh, okay so so the fir- the first book my big realization from from the first book the three principles book was that my 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 feelings weren't coming from my situational circumstance they were coming from my thinking which is uh it, it sounds trivial but for me that was massive because I suddenly stopped being a victim of of my situation and my circumstances so it, I stopped believing that it was the golf tournament or the bad shot or the three putt or um you know the fact that I'd missed a cut that was making me feel the way that I was feeling because that's that's genuinely what it looked like and that's genuinely what most people believe is that you know the situation or circumstances of their lives is what's making them feel the way they feel and the moment that you see that actually you know one day you can be coming down the last three holes in a golf tournament and be feeling uncomfortable and insecure and nervous and the following day you can be coming down the same stretch of holes in a similar situation and feel fine should tell you that it's not the situation that's making you feel the way that you feel so that was sort of the first big sort of realization that i had and then the second one was this 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 question about who am i and the the the, just seeing that the first situation was great because i i realized it wasn't the golf tournament that was making me feel the way that i've that i felt but i still felt crap in a lot of situations so it, it was it was a relief to know that it wasn't the golf tournament, but I still didn't feel great. So it was only when I had the sort of second realization of of it was it wasn't the the thinking uh, it wasn't my thinking about the tournament that was that was the problem. It was my yeah. misunderstanding about who I was, the thinking about who I, you know the the I thought that was the problem. So that's more of what I'm pointing to in the in the second book, which is this, as I say, this realization that the moment you take the I thought out of any situation, you're free, basically, and you can just let go and play. Mm, and that helps you to find a different meaning around uh, yeah. the role of sport in your life. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, the other thing is, is, is w- w- when you. When you come from that perspective of knowing who you really are, you can see that meaning can change from moment to moment, and that's fine. You know, we have this idea of meaning that it's got to be set in stone, and I don't think that's true for anybody. A sport will mean something different from, you know, when you're a kid to when you're a teenager to when you're a young professional to when you're coming to the end of your career to when you're, you know, retired and maybe back playing for fun again. Um so the meaning of of sport in your life will will change massively that's only a problem if you define yourself by that meaning if you understand that that who you really are has nothing to do with that meaning then all of a sudden all of that goes away yeah and how about your your second book uh take relief uh, what are the insights and and how did your thinking develop to towards that yeah well that was that's that book's more about the sort of second point that i made there about the i thought that that that's that's sort of the more and it it comes at it it's a kind of a as i say that what one of the the sort of ways that that you can explore this is by as i say asking you know stripping away these ideas and beliefs that you have about yourself and it's it, it that that the book basically goes starts you on that process by stripping away you know the ideas and the thoughts you have about what you need to do in order to play play your best golf we we accumulate these ideas about these routines or visualizations or 
you know, decision making or breathing techniques, whatever it is. We, accum- we, we hear all these things from other people and we, we kind of adopt them without really seeing whether they work in in our own direct experience so it's it's just a, a process of reassuring people that actually you can let go a lot of these beliefs and you'll probably play better than if you're constantly worrying about them mm-hmm. and yeah I'll, I'll have the links to these books in the show notes so oh, the listeners you. can can go and uh, start studying more thank but you. now i'm very excited in hearing what what you are working on at the moment and and the direction that your thinking has been taking around these themes. Okay, so uh, again, I'm, I'm going to recommend another book, not not one of my books. There's a, there's a fantastic book called The Legend of Bagger Vance, which was written by a guy called Stephen Pressfield. Um, it was written in 1995 and it was made into a film in the year 2000. And unfortunately, the film's not very good. Um, so because the film wasn't very good, I didn't read the book for the next 20 years. And it proved to be one of the, you know, having said I don't regret anything, I really regret not reading that book earlier. Um, mm-hmm. It's an absolutely fantastic book. It's a novel, so it's 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 a work of fiction. But it's pointy. It's based on the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the foundational Hindu texts. And it's basically everything that I point to in my in my coaching and in my work. Um, but because it's a novel, it's kind of what I was saying about sometimes it's easier to understand and really get this stuff um, through metaphor and through story and through allegory rather than actually through logic and reason. So I'd highly recommend that to any 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 golfer or indeed any any professional sports person because it's it's an easy read you you know it's entertaining as well as as being you know absolutely spot on in terms of what it's pointing to philosophically um so yeah that's my my sort of my my project at the moment is is writing a little bit about that book and trying to help people understand it because it you read it once and you think it's a nice story and it it might make you feel a bit better about your golf but it's there's a there's so many different layers to it that we can get into in terms of those three big questions who am i what's the nature of reality and what's the meaning of life all of those questions are addressed in it so um, as you would expect from something that's based on a i say a philosophical text that's been around for at least three thousand years it's you know the bhagavad gita is one of the um yeah. you know one of the finest finest bits of writing you know philosophically that you can read so yeah and and uh, when will we see this work published from you the <laughs> <laughs> you're putting me on the spot now nora i'm not sure i'm hoping to get something out. it might not be it might not be a book about the about the book it might just be some sort of um sort of coaching um trying to think of the right word some sort of yeah some sort of coaching package based on it um and i am i'm, I'm writing another book which will be the sort of third in the series of the the golf books that i've i've read i've written so obviously three principles and then take relief the the one that i'm i've sort of been working on for a, about a year now but haven't haven't finished that'll be um that'll be the third in that series so just taking my ideas on to where they are now just bringing them up to date really that's wonderful um 
I have very much enjoyed our discussion. It's it's been oh me uh, too. Thank you for inviting me. Inspiring. It has been uh, thought provoking as well, and and that's always important. That uh, coming out from discussions in a way that I need to find out more and I need to read more, and that's something that I need to consider. So let's finish up with a few thoughts to what are some of your take-home messages and and some of the things that you would like to lift from from what we have discussed if the listeners can remember one or two things from from this what would you like that to be uh, i just just spend some time with those three questions and if you want to explore them further um there's there's some sort of loads of stuff out there now in terms of books and uh, there's a lot of stuff on youtube a lot of podcasts this this what what it's commonly referred to as non-duality this idea that there there are not two things going on there is there is one thing going on um so you, you might want to uh, look up uh, rupert spira uh, is is a very good teacher on this, and his teacher is a guy called Francis Lucille, who I particularly like listening to. They've both got lots of stuff on on YouTube and on on podcasts. I think they've got websites as well. Um, and if you're of a more scientific sort of, um, you prefer a more scientific approach, um, there's a very good philosopher called Dr. Bernardo Castrup, who uh, again has written about I think he's written about ten or eleven books over the last ten years. Um, exploring psychology of mind, uh, sorry, philosophy of mind and and consciousness, and I think he's, as I say, he's he's done lots and lots of, of podcasts over the last sort of six eight months because um, he's he's had a couple of books come out in the last year or so. So um, yeah, I'd certainly recommend you you having a look at those, um, and yeah, just just take some time to explore those three questions yourself. Um, just sit with them and, and yeah, see what happens really. Yeah, I, I think these are really wonderful closing words and, and pointing some directions to for our listeners to continue this journey on exploring these ideas. And again, I would, I would really recommend uh, checking out the books that we talked about, about your work that you've done and and you have a website as well can you you can again repeat that so the yeah, listeners sure. can go and check that out yeah, yeah. I, I have two websites so my golf website is uh, samjarmangolf.com and then the website that i write about other sports and coaching is sportsprinciples.com yeah and so there will be loads of more resources and and for example this uh article on mental health in sport can be found in uh, sports principles and i i recommend to take a look if if you're interested in that theme so once again it it has really been an honor and and uh, inspirational discussion so many thanks sam for joining me and enjoy your your golf later today thank you nora thank you very much for inviting me it's been a pleasure Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. 
If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.